Well, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe. And this is Season 2, Episode 13 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast for September 23rd, 2019. I made it through without screwing that up, which I didn't do last time, which is awesome. I, um, I do have to say that is my favorite part of redoing an intro, is we redo it, but then always still announce that we messed it up. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. That's that's the that's the funniest thing about doing that. Um, yeah, so uh, you know we're back. This is our second episode back for this year. Uh, we got about eight more left, so tune in because we got some fun stuff coming up. Um, but this time we got some good topics. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about CCNP. Talk about some of the new stuff that's happening with Cisco certs. Um, talk about some dogs because yeah. uh, I might have a new dog and we're going to talk about Apple Gaming but first let's talk about beer and some of our favorite things to drink so the Highland Brewing from Asheville, North Carolina near and dear to our hearts Seasonal Claw Hammer Oktoberfest Marzen Lager 5.0% ABV Pioneers in Craft, and what it says is Bavarian-inspired, Asheville-made. The Marzen or Marzen Lager is smooth and well-rounded with toasty malt character. So, what do you think? Yeah, this is pretty good, actually. I'm generally, I know I'm the naysayer of this group because I don't drink as much beer. I generally don't like Oktoberfest things. They're generally just a bit too on the nose for me. This is really smooth, and this has got like a really light flavor, but still a very defined flavor. You know, it's not like when you get a light flavor because it feels like it's a bit too watery. There's not enough there. It's just very mellow. It's it's very subtle, but it's it's very clear. So one of the things I like about it is it has a nice caramel aftertaste. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of roasty and caramel, and I think everything they say about it's true. Yeah, it's a, definitely a very German beer, uh, Bavarian. And um, I like, I just like that it's local, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, um, when I say local, I don't mean like in the local sourced, you know, farm-raised, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm fine with that, too. I have no problem yeah. with, with that that sort of culture, except for some of the pretension that comes behind it sometimes. Um, but but more what I mean is I just like that it's a North Carolina beer that I yeah. can get, you know, where, whenever I want to. Um, if it's a beer that's sold around here regularly, I don't care if it's if it's good. I don't care if it's local yeah, yeah. or not. But um, it's just kind of nice to have this. And, and Highland Brewing, they make a lot of pretty decent mm-hmm. uh, beers. They so they're hit or miss sometimes. But uh, yeah. this is a good beer. It's well crafted. Mm-hmm. I could drink this. I wish they would release this all the time. I would yeah, just pick it up. Yeah, I was going to say that. that. It's a very good, just like everyday beer. You know, it's not like the pumpkin ones we did last time. That's a little bit seasonal, especially yeah. that second one we did. That was such a strong pumpkin flavor. I couldn't drink that every day, but that'd be a really good like. That's just a good sipping beer. It I is. Drink that any time. It, it is a fantastic sipping beer. I, I like it. I, I could see drinking that with um, like some breaded fish and mm-hmm. some other stuff like that. That'd be a yeah. really good. There, there's not much I can see that you you couldn't do with it because it's got. Some of those sweeter notes you get from the darker beers, but it's still got the the kind of lighter flavor profile you get of some of the the yeah. like wheat beers and things like that. So no, it's a good melt. That's a that was surprisingly nice. I, I like it. I'm I'm happy with it. So uh, let's talk about the Funky Buddha. So this is Funky Buddha Brewery, 
Vibin Groovable Lager. Uh, it is crisp, refreshing, and goo groovy. Goovy, goovy, uh, funky. They they make it hard to read. Um, it's got the government warning for optimal taste. Enlightenment refer to date on the bottom, and so I don't see an ABV. They have to give an ABV. Uh, God, goodness, goodness. Okay, that's hard to read. Um, this is the 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 way that they've got this printed on here. I'll let you see the can, mm -hmm. uh, but it is not easy to read. Stuff. Yeah, it's it's well, it's all shiny. Um, and not easy to see what it says, but it's from Oakland Park, Florida, uh, which that would explain, you know, it's a Florida man product. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see an ABV on it, but I, I can't imagine it's more than 5 5%. percent. I'd, I'd even say maybe 5% is rough. This tastes like maybe a 3.8, 4.2, somewhere around there. Like yeah. it's, it's fairly light. I, I'm interested to see what you have to say about it because this is an interesting flavor profile. It is not bad. But I don't know if you just handed this to me, I'd recognize this as beer. I, I totally recognize this as beer because it has a hoppy and malty flavor. Really? Uh, I don't get that very much. I know you're more sensitive to it than I am. This is almost straddling a line for me between like a fruit beer and a cider just in terms of lightness. Like there's not a lot of fruit flavor to it. But it has that very like watery consistency. It's got like a very refreshing, like cooling taste to it found it it's five percent abv really yeah wow they've mellowed it out i i'm impressed that this is five because the other one was five and this one is five i mean yeah. this carries the alcohol really well well five percent abv i normally i can find that it can mm -hmm. be masked pretty well we've drank a lot of five percent abvs that i've been like, mm, that doesn't really taste like it's got a lot of alcohol in it what so one of the things that i say about this because this is a pineapple beer mm -hmm. so, so it's a fruit beer um okay yeah. It, it is nicely sippable mm -hmm. for all the things that an IPA is supposed to have this has all the good qualities of that mm -hmm. without the bitterness that comes from yeah. the or is, is it an IPA is it? I thought no it's not yeah, yeah. this I, is a lager I can get what you're saying with that I'd actually that's maybe something I can get behind it is kind of the best parts of an IPA without the bad bits of just having that much extra hop in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it doesn't have the extra pininess, and I love some, I, I know that some people love that, so that's, that's, yeah. um... If you uh, like a bitter beer, this isn't one for you. But yeah. If you like smooth beer, if you like a little bit of sweet notes, it's definitely there. I would, if you're the kind of person that generally likes like a stout or a lager that's got that caramel stuff that, you know, that's not here, this is a lighter beer in terms of like color. It's it, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of have, have you ever had pineapple juice that's a little watered down yeah. like like in a in a drink or something mm -hmm. um, where where you you got like the pine it's like the last little bit of pineapple juice at the bottom of a like tiki drink or something yeah, it's got yeah. it's mixed with ice mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me of that in flavor so it's not bad yeah I can get that and then, but then it's also important to note that it doesn't have a lot of pineapple flavor because that's also same thing as we talked about melons, pineapples are kind of the same way. A lot of their natural flavor comes from the very high sugar content, which gets eaten up during the process. Right. You know, there's not a lot to hold on to there. Um, unlike, you know, apples that have their pectin and, and other things. But 
I I it's can't I can't say I love it, but if I was given this beer mm-hmm. to drink, if I if I bought a six pack, the place I would want to drink it is at the beach. Yeah. While I'm saying. while I'm eating some fresh fish or shrimp, having this with that, like on the beach, mm-hmm. you know, just like from one of those little like carts yeah, that you yeah. get, like the the shrimp or some ceviche or some ceviche with this would probably be great. Yeah. yeah, something like that. It would be fantastic. I um, can see this as just being a really good like outdoor event and beer. You know, you're gonna go out to a concert. You're gonna be at the beach. Any place you're gonna get potentially like hot and sweaty. This is really refreshing. It's very light. You know, yeah, you could definitely mix it with some food, but it's got such a subtle flavor. I mean, you could you could get just as much like in your face flavor as just having like some lemon water. Like it's it's not super yeah. aggressive. So you could drink it almost with anything, but it's it's really refreshing. I mean, it's cool to the touch almost. Yeah, I I, I like it. I don't like it as much as I do the other beer. Yeah, uh, the other beer for me has a more complex flavor. Um, this one is not as well crafted. Yeah, I mean, it's, I it's one of those things that, like, like I said, I'm not sure I'd drink this and be like, oh, hey, yeah, this is a great beer as opposed to okay you have given me something slightly alcoholic what is it yeah this is you know? this is this is an alcoholic drink this is a beer this is this is like a well-made tea iro uncle iro from the last airbender has mm-hmm. well crafted the oktoberfest this is some leaf juice that doesn't taste bad you know the the funky buddha mm-hmm. well i don't know i don't want to be too harsh on it because there are people that probably like it and i really I, I, there's a retro style to their can. It makes mm-hmm. it hard to read some of the stuff on the back, but there's so yeah. like look, try to read the stuff on the back and try to find the ABV on it somewhere. Um, oh, it's 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 pretty difficult, right? <laughs> because yeah, of the way they set that up, it's so reflective. Is what yeah, gets it's you. super hard. And I guess the lighting in here isn't. Well, no, I've got really good lights in here. Yeah, but it's just yeah, it just doesn't stand out. But it's got some good artwork on it. The can's well well done and everything like that. I don't want to make it sound like it's some janky like thing. I just don't like it as much as I do the Highland Brewery yeah. thing. No, you're right. Like I'm not seeing the ABV on here either. I know it is. It's on. It's before. it's on the front of the can. To the left, if you're looking at it, right below. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, put it in the picture. Exactly. Why would you do that? It's really hard to read, too. It's really hard to find. Um, but, yeah, no, that, I think that's just more... I mean, my wife would love to drink that. I think if you don't like the the really beer characters of the beers, if you don't like the hops, if you don't like the malts, you don't like some of those roasted flavors, then, I mean, it's... It's, it's, I mean, it's a fruit beer. I mean, yeah. it is a pineapple beer. It is a fruit beer. Most people know whether or not they like a fruit beer. It's just, you know, it's a it's a light version of that. Normally, I love fruit beer, though. Mm-hmm. Like, fruit beer is my is one of my favorite types of beer because it has all those citrus or fruity notes mm-hmm. that um, hop-forward beers have, but that has less hops. And yeah. So I don't get that, bit, that, that extra bitterness at the end, the pininess. Um, but this beer is just, it's not quite fruity enough. For it to be like my favorite fruit yeah. beer, it's a, it needs to be a little bit more fruity for that to happen. But it's still, it's got some good things about it. I don't want to keep hammering on this while uh, we could keep going on and on about yeah, it. Which which one do you think is the one that that you would get all the time if you could drink? I would it? I would drink the Oktoberfest almost any day. 
you know that that'd be a, a very solid go-to beer to stock in your fridge and it's can fit really with almost any occasion yeah check check out the Oktoberfest from Highland Brewing you should, totally should yeah um otherwise let's get on to our topics so let's talk about the Apple gaming service mm-hmm. so have, I know we talked about last time you don't really yeah, I don't watch follow, the Apple stuff. I don't follow and, Apple, but I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is my assumption when I see things like this. This is a game streaming service akin to like what Windows Live tried to do. That like you're really just renting your games and you're playing off of some web server somewhere. And they'll totally play great because it doesn't matter how strong your computer is because I play it on this virtual server. Woo! Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so there, there are some things about it that I'm not 100% sure about. Mm-hmm. But the, as a concept, everyone's trying to build some sort of yeah. game streaming service. We talked about this kind of last time, about how mm-hmm. scuzzy that can become or how yeah. it kind of is. But here's the kicker. Most other places are 10 maybe even $20 a month. Mm-hmm. You have to buy like maybe some hardware with yeah. it, other things like that. For the Apple one, $5 a month. You can just use it on whatever you got. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you still have to pay the Apple tax yeah. for the Mac or the iPhone or the iPad. Mm-hmm. But when you use it, you get to play some actual PC games on yeah. these devices, stream to it. And, and so it's going to use some probably similar streaming technologies to like some other things. It'll probably download some of the games locally to the to yeah. the device. So, does that change your opinion about that at all? No, not no. a bit. I'm going to tell you why. Because we've we've tried to build this before, and it failed miserably. And the reason it failed is because of how much latency you can get when you're trying to do serious video games. That part has not been fixed. Nope. Um, and I was. Thomas from work and me had a big conversation about this after E3 because there's some other that's the Austin that was on like episode whatever back when from Texas yeah yeah (laughs) my my co-workers and we had a big talk about it and I I I get it I get the want for something like this if it was set up differently I'd be all about it because I like the idea that you can get into PC gaming you don't have to have necessarily the super powerful rig it's a great concept, but we don't have the technology there that we can get the like millisecond times we need to play some of these games. I mean, in a world where we're trying to sell people 144 hertz monitors to make them better, the super highest DPS mouses available to make these games more enjoyable, we then flip around and say, okay, well now deal with internet latency. So here, here's a, here's a. A, a thing that I, I have for this. Mm-hmm. What if the $5 a month just allowed you to have access to a library of games that you downloaded to a device? See, I'd be much more okay with that. I like that better. That's kind of in the vein of like, what, what were they even called? Gamefly or something like that? There was for a little while a Netflix-style gaming service. It was Gamefly. That, yeah. That well, Game, Gamefly had a thing like that, and there was also... Um, Something else, but yeah, that's the exact yeah, yeah. I'm more okay with that. I'm fine with the like, well, here's this library of games. You pay like a certain order to get it to you, you swap them out. It's essentially like a Netflix style, you know, gaming service. And I, I think that works okay because that solves the problem of gaming can be expensive. So, so there is there is definitely a barrier for people with every game I want to buy at sixty bucks. If they had that, but they had a family plan, 
Would you buy it? Well, it depends. Do they have to be on the same subnet at all times? What, <laughs> what do we define as a family plan? But, it's, uh, it's location and IP based. Okay. Uh, it needs to be on the same TCP IP subnet, as mm-hmm. you described. And it has to share a similar MAC address that's one increment closer to your previous MAC address. Okay, yeah, we need to match the MAC addresses. We also need to make sure we've got a three-second hello timer. If at any point in time, more than two are failed, we're going to terminate the computer. Yeah. We're actually just going to turn it off because you're pirating. Exactly. Um, you know, I guess jokes aside, I, I'd be 100% fine with something like that. Well, the part that I hate is this idea that we're streaming it over the Internet because on one hand, that's the factor you get to say you don't care about. You know, as your service, you get to say, oh, well, your internet's slow. That's why X is not working. All the blame is off of you. You don't have to do the hard part because the hard part now is just running some other person who in the same turn doesn't care about that service. Like, look, we run a whole internet. We don't care if Apple Fly is slow today. But you're still taking money from the customer for a product that you can't reliably give them. So... I, I hear all that. I, I think I'm still going to try it for one month, maybe two. I'll see. I'll see what it's like. Yeah, I mean, as cheap as it is, it, five bucks. People can certainly try it. I, just, I, I know we've seen several companies recently trying to do it, and no one's giving me the answer for. Okay, well, I don't care how fast my internet is in terms of megabits per second. That's not the issue. It's latency. What are we going to do about that? Well, as as educated network mm-hmm. engineers and knowing all the different things that you can do to to fix some of these problems and how you have to have like a good end-to-end path and all these mm-hmm. other things. I've tried the GeForce Now streaming. Uh, I have it actually on, uh, I, have, I have an NVIDIA Shield mm-hmm. now. Um, and, um, you know, I, I I'm, that's going to be a future episode. That's not this yeah. episode. I didn't have it slated for this. Because I want to play with it for like another week or two before mm-hmm. and give you a chance to play with it and stuff like that. Um, but basically what it comes down to is even with playing something at 1080p or 4K, depending on what I've got it connected to, um, that NVIDIA Shield streaming service works pretty decent. And I get good enough frame rates that I don't care. If Stadia works that way, you know, and it's it's either free, because that's what it is. It came mm-hmm. for free with my NVIDIA Shield. Yeah. Totally cool with that. If this is an extra perk you give me with a piece of hardware that I buy. Mm-hmm. I'm great. If it costs three dollars a month i'd be okay with it i don't care this a triple a title i don't own that game yeah one of the reasons i'm not buying stadia is because i have to subscribe to your service and i have to buy the game mm-hmm. and you don't actually have that game. And, and i don't and then i don't actually have the game if i if i bought it and it became available to me on steam mm-hmm. which i mean admittedly there's sometimes that the that the game doesn't like stay with you if you yeah. buy it like at those places but whatever, if it if I bought it and it became available to me, then okay, that's fine. Uh, but it doesn't, and so I don't see the per- point of that. But for five dollars, if I got to just have access to a library of games that I could download to my phone, or I could stream and it was decent enough over Wi-Fi hmm. that I could play this mobile game wherever I go, I'm fine with that. You know. I'm not expecting to be able to play Borderlands or, you know, one of the Mordor games mm-hmm. or The Witcher or something like that. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be something like 
some sort of like mobile game or something like that yeah. that doesn't require a lot of processing power and therefore it's not going to have a lot of bits that it's sending over mm-hmm. the network. So, or, or maybe you even get like a local version of it that's yeah. just tied back to that and it deletes it after it's done. All those things, totally cool with me. Five bucks a month, totally could play that. Get to play a whole bunch of different mobile games and try them out. And I don't have to have any DLC or microtransactions. And they don't make me wait for an hour to be able to open a freaking chest like Elder Scrolls. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the Blades game that I was hoping was going to be so much better than it actually is was. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, the point have, is... Have we had a podcast since the whole Bethesda debacle with... Fallout. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We okay. talked about. We even talked about it because I bought it. I mean, okay. that's, that's, oh, that's what right. this that's thing right. is right here. I just didn't know right that I here to my right. I was like, man, this is the helmet, and the only good thing that came out of that, the reason, the the reason that it was. Yeah, you've got me on recording a year or two ago saying like, I thought like Bethesda was probably one of the best video game companies out right now, and man, I'm eating my shoes on that. Yeah, one. you are. They uh, they totally screwed the pooch. From them, probably ever again. That's um, so sad. Well, I think I think um, I probably I probably am going to try Fallout seventy six again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a chance because it went from buy to free. Yeah, you know, basically, um, I'm going to I'm going to try it again just to see if there's any improvements that have been made. They've made some updates. Supposedly, there's some good things about it, and they they've done Elder Scrolls Online, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Belder. But but every game is gonna have like every game company is gonna have their moments. I mean, like yeah. I don't expect for them to be perfect. I'm willing to be a bit forgiving with like CD Projekt Red or Bethesda if their next set of games is good. You know, yeah. they make, they make I think a lot's riding on the next Elder Scrolls game. Yeah, of, like what their future is gonna look like. But if they make it like this crap, mm-hmm. there's no way. There's yeah. no way I'm gonna be I'm gonna be on on board with that because that will kill the my favorite gaming franchise (laughs) there's going to be a lot of pressure on them because i've always kind of felt that we give bethesda a lot of wiggle room because they do build these really big open games when you sit down and you say okay what about skyrim is so much better than x other open world that came out at the same time and there's the list is generally not as long as i was saying well it's a very established franchise um, you've built up tolerance to some of the bugs they kind of consistently have and you're just okay with, as opposed to like a new title. But I don't think they're going to get that leeway anymore. No. They're going to have to release something that can't be standard Bethesda buggy, or it's just going to hit them. I've been playing, so th- this is completely off topic. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be talking about CCMP recertification right now. We'll get there. But I've been playing the um, the the Elder Scrolls Blades. I like I they did an update and I was like, okay, well let me go back and play it again. Mm-hmm. And there was some content there and there's supposed to be a story mode and they actually had some fairly compelling stuff. But the thing that kills me is the con- I, like make me pay fifteen dollars for this game. Yeah. Make me pay twenty bucks for it. Make me pay for the game. I don't want to alone. do the microtransactions. Yeah. I, I just want to play it. It's it's actually kind of fun the base game has some fun elements. It does require a little bit of blocking and slashing mm-hmm. at certain times or some timing things. I don't expect for it to have the same like mechanics and skills skill level as something like a Skyrim or um, you know Fallout Four or something mm-hmm. like that. But if you made this and a couple other mobile games of that same genre, where you charged me twenty bucks a month, I, I twenty dollars, not twenty dollars a month, but you charged me twenty dollars to be able to play it, 
I would buy every single one of them. I'd spend $60, $70. And I don't care if you offered me extra microtransactions, just as long as they didn't affect the base game play. Yeah. I'd, I'd totally be okay with that. Um, but the, this, the, the travesty of it is that the things that you need to progress are tied to timed situations like mm-hmm. opening chests specifically. Yeah. And and then then you get nag screens and they're constantly trying to get you to buy you stuff. Get the push notifications in there. Yeah, it 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 just it is the it's it, it is like it have, have you ever gone to get a drink of milk and the milk is not expired but it's, it's just, just almost enough. expired yeah. it's like that mm-hmm. it's like if every taste of milk that you got for the rest of your life was like that yeah it's just close enough to being good but it's not but it's bad. not good yeah but it's not quite bad enough that you're not going to keep drinking it yeah well, that's that's the line right it's how much can they push into the game as you still keep playing it yeah i know um, I'm, I'm dragging us a little bit more off topic but did you see the the write-up from the UK about no. microtransactions. I think it was specifically loot boxes, but there was... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the the legislation they want to do to get rid of loot boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, I like how it came right in the curtails, because the, they just, a couple months before, maybe not even a couple months, did this thing of, like, are loot boxes gambling? And they were like, no, loot boxes are not gambling. They do not fit our current gambling laws. People were real upset, and like I know the publishers were not upset. They're like, yeah, yeah see, it's yeah, not gambling. Another yeah. turned around and said, but we did study it, and man, we really should just ban it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, it's not gambling. But that's what I told my wife. It's like, just because they said it's not, it doesn't fit their gambling laws, didn't say that it's, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't say they wouldn't then try and restrict it. It's just they can't restrict it under the current law. Well, yeah, and that, that's the way law is. Exactly. Like that, they're, they're as... Having worked in that industry before, mm-hmm. well, industry, it's not really an industry, but having worked in that area before, that profession, um, and understanding that, having an education mm-hmm. there, law really is, it's about what it says and whether that fits the situation that you're in. Yeah. Not so much whether this is right or wrong. Exactly. Because that's, that's, not, that's not what the law is there to do. And we, some, we oftentimes conflate those things. Yeah. Now, you really want to have good moral people that care about what's right and wrong mm-hmm. making those laws, trying to fit them into the situations yeah. that, that they run across. But it, a, also a good moral person would say, this law does not apply to this because mm-hmm. it's not, not, the same thing. not the same thing. Therefore, we should... But this is clearly something we need to deal with. Therefore, yeah. we should... And as, you know, Europe does some pretty crappy stuff sometimes. But they also gave us some great wine, great beer. Yeah. They gave us some really good foundations for laws and traffic laws and things like that. And oftentimes they come up with good things ahead of time. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do there. I don't think the U.S. is going to follow suit, but I hope Canada does. Mm-hmm. Because I really would like to move to Canada eventually <laughs> to get away from the downward spiral that we're having of, uh, of just crap that, that is coming our way. I'm, I'm joking, of course. I, I, yeah. I, love, uh, I love living in the U.S., but I also, I mean, we got yeah. problems. We got bad, bad problems. Yeah, it seems like everybody does nowadays. Yeah. I think we're all, I think we're all trying to reaffirm our position in the world after everything became so global and everything became so connected. And you know, some countries are doing it better than others. But I think that's the the global struggle right now. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I kind of do hope they go through with it. Just because generally a couple other ones go through with it. And eventually enough countries do it that even if some of the other ones don't, it's not profitable anymore. Yeah. Because now not you don't have enough user base anymore. So then, you know, realistically, you say, oh, look, we, we're never going to do them again. We're the good guys. We're not yep. going to do this thing. We were preying on you anymore now. We don't make money <laughs> off of it. So we're going to go find the new thing we can get money yep. from. But it'll take a couple years for that to spin up. That's kind of how this always goes, you know. So the, the, the one thing that I really hope does happen with this that didn't happen in the past, you know, European law sometimes filters into the U.S. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it does. A lot of times it doesn't. There's been situations, like with sugar and some other things like that, that have affected our public health. That, And I'm not going, I'm not going down like political routes of like, you know, whether or not the Europeans were right or the Americans were right. But in this particular case, if the Europeans go down that route, I hope the Americans take that yeah. in. That's that's all I'm saying. No, I because agree that's we, definitely the right thing to do. It is preying yeah. on young people. There, there's a whole generation of people, and future generations of people that are being brought up with this dopamine, you know, kind of addiction, to believe that this is okay. Yeah, and it's not. And we've got every service under the sun every company trying to follow suit with it oh, even yeah. like fairly decent companies trying to follow yeah suit. i mean when they've done good studies that's like here we took these gamblers and we had them play these mobile games and they became addicted to loot boxes yep. like it's the same pleasure receptors in your brain from betting money as it is to open up a loot box it's it's not the same thing but it's the same thing yeah it's just like that crack just like that crack. so uh let's talk about the ccmp well, first, let's talk about our recertification stuff. Well, mm-hmm. my recertification yeah. and your 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 Continuing path towards certification. Yeah. So we had about two years, maybe three years there, mm-hmm. where after I got my cert, I didn't talk about getting recertified. Yeah, uh, and it's because you know life happens. We've been working yeah. on things, so I'm trying to get T shoot, and mm-hmm. you need to get T shoot. So yeah. we're studying together on that yeah. again, um, which is good. Having a good time. Um, one of the things that I've noticed with studying for it this time is that there are some things that they've adjusted, but for the most part, they've pretty much left the T-shoot exam mm-hmm. alone, um, at least as far as the study materials go. Yeah. I, I haven't taken it again, so I can't say one thing or the other. But, that I mean, that's pretty much what my job used to entail mm-hmm. uh, before I became an architect. And so, you know, that's that. You know, I moved from manager and operations to architect and before that I, all I did was find problems and fix them yeah and um, that's what t-shoots all about yeah um, I'm I kind of glad that they didn't change much on it because mm-hmm. it, so I love Cisco I love their exams I love the knowledge that I get from studying for these things and the the way that I learn and all that other stuff but the way they write the questions and everything, the way the way that they present the information to yeah. you to be able to try to give you value, quote unquote, for your certification, just really to make it really hard for people, yeah. is something I don't agree with. Yeah, I mean, here's the way I see it: having taken the other exams and doing some studying, and you know, one of our coworkers recently he got one of the tests done. He had to take it multiple times. There is some extremely obscure information hidden within route and switch. 
that and you know you can go and find it you know like he went into a question he had no idea what it was he was able to go back and research it but you know it was from some blog post made almost a decade ago and okay yeah that's that's information that's there but it's definitely not something I would expect the average person to have memorized you know there's a reason you have quick guides and you have all this documentation available to you like when we're you know we're doing a project now we're setting up some WLC's and things like that I don't know WLC stuff off the top of my head I, I mean I know some of it you know I think granted this is a wireless search but we got through it we got a whole configuration built that we needed for it based on being able to go to this documentation so you say that but you know, like if I talk about the concepts for CapLap mm -hmm. versus FlexConnect versus some other technology that's WLC related, uh, if I talk about 802.1x versus mm -hmm. um, WPA2 versus you know something else like that, you understand those concepts. Like if I, if 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 we were talking about that as a whole, yeah. you understand those things. You might that, now. I'm I'm not saying you're a wireless expert. Not at all. That's not either one of us. We're route mm -hmm. switch and your development and I'm um, you know I've got like other things yeah. that I'm an expert in. But the when it comes down to it um, we uh, we understand the technical ideas behind that. And that's what these these tests are supposed to do you yeah. have a mastery over these technical I ideas? I get what you're saying. That maybe even if you take it a grain lower is our questions based around, okay, I'm going to present you four commands, which command is right. Is that too granular? And I guess, yeah, that that probably is. But, I mean, we're getting to some really obscure things on them, as opposed to T-Shoot. I guess that's where I was going with it. T-Shoot is such a real-world exam. You know, there are some multiple-choice questions, and maybe, you know, they're too specific. But these tickets, at least based on, well, you've taken it once before, so yeah. you know. And then, you know, we have, like, sample stuff that we study with. Yeah. They're good. Like, this is like a real, how do you fix this problem? Yeah, this is broken. And, how do you fix it? Yeah. And it's all super real world. And, I mean, sometimes, I know we, we studied on one sim that, like, the problem that was wrong was, like, an IP address. And we're like, oh, that was that was rough. And at the same time, I was like, yeah, but that's life. Yeah. Like, how easy is it to, oh, I, I mistyped something. Yeah. You know, you know, it really should never be. Fat finger. Sorry. Well, you never be typing your commands out as opposed to like pasting them if you're doing yeah. like a big config or a file transfer. Or something. You should you should have it validated, but, have exactly. it double validated, and then, or even scripted out. Like I mean, in, in this day and age, there's no real reason for you to be actually going yeah. CLI and, and delivering commands on your own. But but yeah, whatever. that's a digression. But like it's a it's a real world thing. Anyone that sits down and they work on routers and they part of their job is fixing routers and switches kind of falls into this exam very well and if you look at people online talking about researching there's always t-shirts like oh man and, you know i i went and i tried to retake route again because i also did routers i failed it twice yeah i went to tissue blew it out of the water the first time because that's what relates most to you well it is the most it is the most actual exam it makes mm -hmm. the most logical sense the questions on it don't they aren't crazy uh, the even the ones that are like uh, you know I, I, I mean e even if I if I could remember the question from three years ago mm -hmm. not going to but the, so if if I'm I don't remember any of those questions and I yeah. wouldn't put them out there because that's against the rules yeah but um, what I am saying is e even if it was like something that was like 
pick between take this protocol and mm-hmm. stack you know the way that BGP works mm-hmm. on here in T shoot they while they might have something like that that is that is something that seems to be less important than knowing actually how to use BGP because yeah I mean I'm sitting there and I'm having a brain fart moment and I don't remember how the protocol stack for BGP works 100% because I don't use it every day but what I do remember is the like there's three things that BGP has to have in order to form a neighborship Mm -hmm. and I'm looking through the configuration and I'm doing a staring compare between router 2 and router 1 and there's a difference in these two different lines on it that seems to be the problem. That's at least yeah. a starting point to figure out this issue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in, in a real-world scenario, Friday, before I got off work, mm-hmm. haven't haven't touched these devices in forever. My boss comes to me and says, hey, are we having a problem in this location? I said, I don't, I don't know. Not that I've heard of. They said, well, you know, I mean, I don't even, I'm, I'm not the guy that does that anymore. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm like... Okay, well, let me look. Give me a few minutes. And then, like, somebody else pings me and somebody else pings me. I'm like, okay, well, there probably is a problem. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying somebody saying something about ISP issues. I just saw it, like, in the yeah. chat somewhere. I, you know, and I said, well, it might be an ISP issue. Let me let me look and see. But I'm, I'm just to be sure, I'm going to go look at these things here. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you find out or do you know if all these people are on a common ISP? So I'm doing all my troubleshooting stuff. Get down to it. One of the routers wasn't responding. And I go, oh, well, you know, I think it might be this one. Let me take it out of load balancing. And then, you know, we'll kind of mm-hmm. like work through it. That, I mean, that is like T-shoot to a T. Like, yeah. I knew the network. I know what the system is. Mm-hmm. I know, I've got the diagram in my head or I've got it on a piece of paper. I'm working through it level by level. I do a trace route. I try to do this. I try to do that. Like, that is T-shoot. Mm-hmm. And I'm good at that. And I think every network engineer that's worth their salt is good at that. And yeah. that's why T-Shoot is the best CCMP exam. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I don't, I don't that almost sounds like an endorsement at the end. It's like, this, <laughs> this is Joe with uh, this. Thank you for listening to my T-Shoot series. That's why we are the best exam. <laughs> Uh, I love it, man. So, have you heard about how uh, Cisco's changing their certificate strategy? I've heard they're doing it, but I don't know too much about it. So, I'm going to watch your face as I tell you this. Okay. CCIE Mm -hmm. is now going to be a different set of year than it was originally. It was two years. That's right. Now it's three years. That's three years. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, I can see see the joy on your face, even though it's not two years. Like... I think I think it really curtails people out of it mm-hmm. that to to be a CCIE your main job has to also be doing CCIE level work in your concentration to be able to stay current enough to take it every two years. Yeah. Because even people that take it like you know they still study you still study for several months for your CCIE even when you're renewing. Well, so it's like you're getting like a year and a half off then just have to go back into it and then imagine like let's say I got a CCIE. I do some network stuff, but it's almost all software development or design. I need to know the network to be able to design good automation for it. But I'm not in here staying super current on every little bit of change to something that like a CCIE has to know. Well, so that that's the other change of their strategy. It's supposed to all be software driven. 
So every CCIE is supposed to have a bit of development skills. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, I'll, that's not bad for me since I've got those skills, but that might be a little rough on the people that maybe don't. Like our legacy CCIEs that have had it for like 10 or 15 years. They, I mean, the training's supposed to get you what you need. Yeah. It's supposed to get you up to. I'll, I'll to, take that with a grain of salt. And not, not against Cisco. Cisco does. I've never taken like their actual classes. I know buying the books and reading through their books has not been enough to get searched most of the time. Here, here's what I really hope, though, mm-hmm. that we're not going to have this white paper problem because this, this is one of the reasons that we were yeah, talking about. Yeah, because it's like real practical. Yeah, it's a, it, it like there needs to be some more rules around where you can pull the material for mm-hmm. your questions. I'm totally cool with if they. If when you buy the book that you study by, mm-hmm. they say you need to st- they give you the material and they say you need to study these other things, mm-hmm. or we're going to print out these blog posts and you need to know them by heart, or we're and any any material will come from this yeah. realm of things. But there is such a breadth of information out there on whatever, like Cisco the Cisco blogs. I'm forty two years old. I don't have enough time left in my life to read every Cisco blog mm-hmm. that's out there. That is crazy to expect someone to have that stuff memorized. Yeah. And just like, I, I mean, even if I read it, I've read like a hundred of them. My memory doesn't work that way. I don't remember everything that I ever read. I, I have it tangentially kind of stored back there and, mm-hmm. I, and I can bring it out. And oftentimes I figure it out based off of information I had before, but that's not the way my intelligence works. Yeah. Um, and and from that perspective, they're expecting for you to have like an eidetic memory to be able to, to do this stuff as you go forward. Yeah. And that's just not possible. It, it's not. There's, and I know there's been lots of grumbling in the Cisco community about how kind of over-the-top exams we're getting. And I get why they're that way. You know, I've, I've talked to some people that are in charge of the CERT programs that talk about how cheating in certain locations is very rampant. That like, you know, tech schools will go and they'll send a teacher to go take the exam a whole bunch of times to then farm questions to then take back and teach just the questions. So you gotta have a way to make sure that the knowledge is actually there. But I think it's taken kind of on the last episode, the DRM. Yeah. You know, so you're making We're punishing the people. Yeah, you're making questions so hard, so obscure why do you expect anybody to know that? You know, and I know the answer is probably that you know we're farming questions from a very big, big area. Because how do you stop somebody that's you know cheating by knowing answers is by having so many that you can't do anything with it or make them really obscure. But again, I feel like that just hurts the regular person. Like if you're a CCMT and you've working as a network engineer for your main job and you're going to recertify and even after studying for your recertify you're still failing multiple times that's a problem because that's indicating that your the real world is not keeping up with an exam the whole point of a certification is to say they have this level of knowledge and when you're saying, okay, they've had this level of knowledge for the time they come back for recertification, they don't have enough knowledge anymore, something bad has happened. Exactly. I know that if I went to try to take route now, it's I, like while I remember everything that was on route, that's a lie. But I remember yeah. 95% of everything that was mm-hmm. on route, probably. I could go back and take that old test and pass. 
I know the technologies on it. But I don't expect for things to stay stagnant. I know I'd have to study again. Mm-hmm. But the very fact that it would take me six months to study for that again, or seven months to study for yeah. that again, that's not acceptable. And even then, based off of what I understand about about the test, it's just not... It, it, it is not... Um, you know, there, there's the people that, that follow the... the they're, they're company men or company mm-hmm. women. You know, they're company people. There's there there's the people that do that. They're gonna like say it's good and it, it teaches you and all this other stuff. And I don't disagree with them. I think that the that the stuff you get out of studying for this is super practical. Yeah. It's great. But the stuff like when I buy a book or I buy a training class from Cisco, I expect it to teach me the stuff that that I need to learn to be mm-hmm. able to pass the exam. And if my passing pred- is predicated on me only knowing obscure material then what I'm really doing is I'm becoming a wizard or a sorcerer in, in yeah. networking well, re- yeah realistically what happens is what most people have to do is you fail at a time or two to really do the exact same thing that they don't want you to do yeah. like they don't want you to memorize questions but absolutely what happens when you fail I'm like man there were like these six questions I had no idea you go look them up yep and you do that once or twice you know, you now know enough of your information that when you see them the next time you pass and that's that's a bad strategy and, and here here's the other funny thing about that I'm I, I remembered that question I went and I looked this thing up I didn't actually learn about how this works because mm-hmm. in order to like understand like at a deep level as to why there's being a TCAM overflow or something like mm-hmm. that, or there's a buffer underrun, or there's this bug in this particular version of iOS, mm-hmm. or an ACL works this particular way to cause this particular problem. That's an edge case. That's not a common yeah. thing. And what you're supposed to be, if you're you're supposed to be an expert on all the common stuff that happens, that the that's I mean, I understand I don't want to. I don't want to say that cheaters should be able to go. Don't punish me who's not trying to cheat. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm trying to learn all this stuff, and I know other people they learn, you know, all the Cisco stuff. And I, I you know, I, I think I could take it like once or twice and pass. Um, you know, and and I I would have to look up some material that I saw in there, but again, like it feels like you're punishing me for studying the material that you presented to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the big the big push where we started off. Yeah. If people can go to a practical exam like T-Shoot and say, oh my gosh, this is so much easier than the other two. This is so much real world. I didn't have to study six months to recertify to get this one. But then your other exams are, you know, where's that line coming? Because there are. I mean, there are sims and labs in the other two tests that generally aren't super significant. Yep. Maybe they need to think about moving to a model where it's like, okay, there are some multiple choice mixed in here, but instead of you having your like two labs and like, I don't know, one or two sims, I remember when I last took route, why not just give me like five labs of five sims? Yeah, you know? exactly. Actually get me into a router and doing something because that, it's important to know the concept skills and stuff, but you know, the, the levels of learning. There's very different of, I can answer a multiple choice question, and I have multiple choice strategies where it's like, okay, well, I don't actually know the answer, but I know these two aren't right, so now it's a 50-50. Right. That does not show my mastery as much of, hey, go into this router, set it up. You know, just let me do these things that you think I need to know, 
because you retain that knowledge better, it shows a better mastery, and it sticks with you longer. Well, and that's, see, like the lab guides and everything, that's what they mm-hmm. make you do. They're like, we need you to create this thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, you go through the lab, and by the time you're done, you're like, oh, man, I know how to I know how to make a, tri- a AAA server on my router. Mm-hmm. Or I know how to, like, you know, set up .1x, or I know how to do, you know, uh, ACL route maps, or, mm-hmm. or you know, wh- whatever it is. I, I know how to make things so that they affect the traffic on a router or a switch. I can make, you know, I can deal with changing port fast and all this other stuff. That's the way it's supposed to, like, teach you. And there's a lot of people that learn in such a way that they understand oh, yeah. this is how this is how this works. And they're able to pass because they're able to get a good good number of questions right mm-hmm. because they do they look up and they get this particular set of things on the test. Yeah. And I and again that that's a good point. People with different test taking strategies. I know I always do better on my exams than one of our coworkers. And even when we're studying together, I do better than practice exams. It's purely because I'm very good at test taking. Yeah. I have very good strategies for, all right, well, I know it's not these. Now, let's really look at the wording of the first one compared to the second one. And, you know, it's not the general idea. It's this specific modifier to the answer. It's like, that's why I think that one's not right. I, I think that coworker though, that you're talking about mm-hmm. is a better network engineer than you are in some aspects. He's not, oh, he's he not better at other things. I mean, yeah, because he gets to do it more. I know if you sat down and you put me and him in a really rough, like this thing is just destroyed, he's probably going to do better. I can find smaller problems faster. I'm good at the analytics. But, yeah, he probably knows more about these routers and switches than I do. Uh, well, I think I think if it was something where you had created a script to find the problem, mm-hmm. that he probably would find the issue on one router or switch. Yeah, the, well, like, almost to begin with, he doesn't. I I, I do a lot of troubleshooting with him. I find the issues oh. faster, right. but he is certainly much better at. Hey, let me go do these routine fixes. I'm good at finding a problem. I don't mess with routers enough to generally be as good as implementing a solution. Well, that, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, yeah. You, like, you might find the problem first because you'd have a script or whatever that says, oh, mm-hmm. I can point you to this. But he's like, oh, I know, what that, I know what fixes that. He doesn't know necessarily what the problem was, which doesn't necessarily make him better at troubleshooting than you are. Mm-hmm. But he knows how to fix that problem, which kind of you know, makes him, in some areas, have yeah, more technical he does, knowledge. Yeah, he area. does certainly do more break-fix than I do. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it comes down to that. You know, that really, we should be getting close to the same thing on these practice tests. But we're not because we're putting him in an environment he doesn't excel in, where yeah. it's this very more like, okay, let's analyze a question. Let's, oh, but did you see this is a this is a not in the question and then a not in the answer. There's double yeah. negatives there. What well, gotcha. <laughs> you know, as opposed to put him in a, put us both in labs. And he'd probably consistently do better. Yeah. Because I think the lab, well, I don't know. Just, Cisco never tells you how to do it, but I... Does the time you spend on the lab change it? There's like all these theories that like, oh, if you, the, the, every time you put in a wrong command, it takes some points off. And stuff so like that. There, there, there right. is there is an expectation that you are able to get things within a certain framework, but yeah. they don't share how that works, yeah. and so you don't know. So he'd probably do better. I, I know he would be able to... He would question Mark less than I do. He would get more things right the first time, or I'd do more like validating tests sort of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's certainly certainly interesting. I, I hope this new direction turns out. I'm more excited to take a Cisco exam and the new stuff. 
hoping it's better than what we kind of have right now. I, I think it'll start. I think it'll start out being better, and then it'll eventually have the scope creep that this last set of exams did, and it'll be worse. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping that to begin with, it's really good because what I what I'm hoping to do is get recertified and, because my certification will run out before mm -hmm. the exams uh, hit, and then get the new material, study it like immediately, and then yeah. get certified in CCDA, CCDP, or CCIE, because mm -hmm. um, that's really the the area that my career seems to be going. So, uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, there's there's good hopeful things. We we just complained a whole bunch about the bad stuff about yeah. Cisco exams. One of the things I can say, I've taken the Microsoft stuff. I've done like this is an industry problem. It's not just mm -hmm. a Cisco yeah, problem. It is. I think Cisco has a lot more practical application mm -hmm. in their exams than other exams that I've taken, like the A plus, the oh, the, yeah. C, the security plus, you know, like all those other things. And, and it's been a little while since I've taken those, but I, I just consistently I feel like Cisco does better at presenting those things so all of my gripes are from a place of love and like t saying this this is just me just like this isn't what i want to see i want to fix mm -hmm. these problems but i love this thing like yeah. I, I wouldn't keep doing it if i did yeah as many cisco tests as i've taken they're they're quality compared to a lot of them they, i don't know it's, you're right they have a lot of real world value not to throw shade on the a plus but i remember taking that one and i didn't have to well I did study but I didn't need to yeah and I got like seven of the same question I will never forget evidently Windows arrow just breaks everything <laughs> yeah you know it was seven <laughs> questions on the exact same thing and it's got the same exact doggone answer yeah you know all the other ones are different it's like oh man X broke what if it was Windows arrow <laughs> and it's like okay I guess it is I mean it, it makes it's, sense it could be it's all these like display problems you can get with it it almost felt like A plus was like just turn Windows Arrow <laughs> off just keep it off just turn it on and explodes that, that was my main takeaway I don't remember anything else from that exam we should tell you about it you know and I did a lot of growing when I got my first like serious IT job you know, I knew a lot more than your average new hire coming in but that test could have certainly it wasn't like Cisco where I feel like you get your CCNA you can do CCNA level work, yeah. like period, anywhere, because it's the same technology, and they do a good job exposing you to a lot of things. A-plus is like, okay, well, we threw you into a slightly different technology, or, you know, it was something we didn't really hit on. Sorry. You know the basics. Yep, you know the basics. Yeah, but it's Deal not like that for, for Cisco. Cisco is very much a... You might know the basics, but you know the basics of everything we expect you to have here at Cisco. So let's take a left turn. Okay. Let's talk about dogs. I got a new dog. Yeah. I, I haven't had a dog in, man, since I was in my teens. I there haven't had go. a dog. So, I, so I'm, I'm, you know, in my 40s. So it's been like 20 years since I've mm -hmm. had a dog. And I, I, I've, I've always, in my adult life, I've really wanted to have mm -hmm. a dog. Well, I guess my ex-wife had a dog. So I had a dog by proxy of having a, an ex-wife. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, still, that's like in my 20s, mm -hmm. pretty close to the age that I am now. So it's been almost 20 years since I've had a dog. I've lived with one. And, uh, you know, being me, i got to think about the tech. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like how, how am I, I going to tech this up? I got my cyborg dog. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, like, I think I fully expect this to go the Christmas route. Where mm -hmm. I'm like, so what technology do you use? 
Ricky, and you're like, mm-hmm. I don't use technology. I've seen what you do with your dog. I don't <laughs> use technology. Technology has no place in the ad, you know, blah 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 world. So like, um, I I I that I don't think that um, I would really be able to like take this up too much because mm-hmm. you know my family's got to deal with it and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, but I th- I thought about like maybe getting a camera so that I could watch the dog when I'm up here. Oh yeah, if okay. If he's not able to come up here with I'll, me, I'll admit the first thing I thought of was like a little attachment on its collar that's got like a UV key. It's got to plug into like a doggy door to get in and out, <laughs> getting out of the like house, controlled entrance. Well, you know, you know, we could uh, we could do a um, uh, a little uh, magnetic one. Yeah, like, like, like an RF reader enough, yeah, or something. Yeah, go through. It just he's able to get in and out. Could let him go out into a kennel. They make those for collars now. Is that you can get the they'll connect to the doggy door and yeah. only. Open and close when the, the collar's near it. That that's a that's a good idea. I don't think I'm gonna go that route. Though. No, you shouldn't because it's turned out to be a terrible idea. Co- yeah. Robbers just steal your dog's collar and now they can just yeah. go in and out as they please. Yeah, I, I don't don't want to have that happen. Plus, my dog would only be able to go out into the backyard. Anyway, yeah, so there's no real real reason for that. I think the only thing that I really so with the cat, I tacked up the cat a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm allergic to the cat, but I tolerate the cat, and I don't. I'm a it's my wife's cat, but I'm a good, I want to be a good pet owner. Yeah. So I want to make sure it gets things like water on time. And she sometimes forgets to water it or food mm-hmm. on time. And she sometimes, yeah, forgets. yeah. I've seen, so yeah. We move into the house. I'm like, going to get an automatic feeder. Going to get a, going to get an automatic water. Two of the best purchases mm-hmm. ever made for our family. Um, you know, the automatic feeder with cats a little too hungry. You just press a button on the phone. feeds the cat automatic waterer you know just have to remember to put some water in yeah fill the basin every now and then yeah Yeah. otherwise it takes care of itself Uh, and it filters it so the Mm -hmm. cat's healthier Um, you know that like things like that is what I'm thinking about so if you could tech up your dog because I kind of know what I would want to do like I have like three things that I pretty much Mm want to do if you could take up your dog experience or your pet ownership experience, mm-hmm. what would it be? So there are two pieces of tech I deploy into my animals. Um, all of them get chipped. That's just that's just to everybody. Get your dogs chipped. It's really important. Um, it will save your pet's life at some point, most of the time. You know, if it doesn't, you you did awesome. But your pet gets lost. Now you can always find it. The other thing I did is I took that kind of a step further, and um, you can buy collars now that basically are like a normal tag on the front and when you flip them over there's like a QR code mm-hmm. you can just scan on your phone and it links up to a website that you don't have to pay for you can pay for like premium memberships but this is like a standard connection that will read the GPS of the location that set it off and then it displays on that person's phone on the website forum like all of the information you need like how do you like where do they live what's the phone number associated with it who are their vets if you like find this dog and it's injured and you know, even if they just open and say, "Oh, that's cool," and then close it, you still get the GPS ping for, "Hey, my dog was on this street right now." And so it's for having you know, none of my dogs right now run, but I grew up with a dog that if it got out, I was going to run forever. We were near a highway, and this is like I would never have lost track of that dog. You know, the dog did fine; lived yeah. a very old age. But you know, things like that, like located my pet that's lost. Um, I find are very important because you know, dogs can dogs can live on a street. You know, they. They have some survival instincts to them, but the world is so different. You know, the scare is not, my dog got lost and it starved. The fear is, my dog got lost and a car hit it. Or, my dog got lost and maybe 
the person that found them is not necessarily super caring about whether or not my dog is lost and they're just like oh free dog and now our dog lives with them they're mean and they hurt the dog exactly you you need to uh, testing real technology i try and focus in on as a way of like how do i just keep my dog safe I can see that. I think I'm going to do something like that. That is definitely one of the things that I, I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to um, also, you know, look into things that are a little bit more like lightweight materials that I can use for like crates, mm-hmm. uh, some of the training materials that you can use. So that in the tech that I'm thinking about, it's like the actual stuff that you put on the yeah. dog. Um, so like uh, getting a training hosses, yeah, the harnesses harness, and things like that. Hosses, a hosses. Training harness, you know, uh, the right type of kennels, yep. because I don't want to put them in a room by itself, and I know that mm-hmm. they need to to have like a den kind of, but I don't want to, I don't want to like really like put them in a place where they're afraid of it or they're miserable being in there and they yeah. like have separation anxiety and stuff yeah. like that. So I mean, most people don't think about it, but the rule of a crate is supposed mm-hmm. to be there's enough room for them to get in and to turn around. You know, they're supposed to be fairly small compared to the dog because that's what provides that security right. there's a ton of people that buy small dogs too big a crates and they get the separation anxiety anyway because it doesn't feel like snug enough to them it doesn't feel like a den this is just this place they're trapped exactly they're, they're just trapped in there um and and so you know like right now with my dog i got it a nice crate i think it's the right size um, yeah i'd say that that's yeah. pretty close it, it well it cannot he can only get in and turn around yeah right? it's not like it's not oversized for him yeah so, so like things like that, um, and and I think I might get a camera so that I can watch what he does when I'm not in the room, mm-hmm. um, or if I have to leave and he's not not able to be around, I can at yeah. least like talk to him or something like that, you know, um, if I if he's having some moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I think overall I'm probably not going to tech yeah. this up. Like actual like putting some TCP/IP on a yeah. thing too much. Most of what I'm going to do, I'm going to probably get him an automatic feeder. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't knock things over in my office, probably going to get him an automatic feeder and probably going to maybe get an automatic water or two because I'm really yeah. impressed with those products. Yeah, I can see those of those being super useful. Um, one thing you might see is if they do automatic feeders that feed into the like interactive food things, those are really good for dogs that either eat too fast or have any sort of food aggression. It basically will like put the food into almost like little mazes that they can get to. You know, there's ones that like roll around and stuff like that, which yeah, are like fun the and things. things yeah. yeah, there are things like that. But there's then the ones that just have like texture, so they can't eat as fast, mm-hmm. and it like stimulates the scavenging mechanisms of them eating, which can be really good. And you know, you did mention like having a way to talk to them. I don't really know how that works. Because again, like here's the voice, if I can't see you, but it has been very well researched that if you get a dog with separation anxiety background noise is really nice like leave it on tv mm-hmm. or you just have a little speaker in there that just plays some nice little dog music can really help with those things it, i mean is, is dog music like where the dog band gets together and <laughs> well you know i think it, i think it's around the same line of kid music there's like okay. dog pop that they just get the dogs to bark to the, gotcha. to the rhythm um yeah I, I i think i'm gonna do something like that I, i'm not really sure i i'm i'm not i like i do a lot for the dog because i really mm-hmm. like it a whole lot but i'm not too, I'm not too into like once I do my initial round of these are the things I'm going to get for this animal. Yeah. That's probably it for a while. Yeah, I you know there are the people that really invest in the dog constantly new clothes and things like that. I I mostly aim for what are the things I can do that 
keeps this dog safe so this dog never has to worry about anything or be in a bad situation and this is like the quality of life things what can yeah. I do to make like we're going to get some carpet for our house I will, like I said I think they're rugs my dog just really is not taken to these slick floors there's no reason he should be stumbling but he does you know we've got the vet to check it it's just like I don't know he eventually scrambles he doesn't like it it's, it's too slippery he's used to carpet yeah um so we're going to get some rugs to make him happier because, you know, he doesn't like walking to the bedroom because you know, like he gets scared of the hallway sometimes because he tripped in there a couple of days ago. And so that'll kind of smooth, smooth things out for him. But, yeah, I can't see going through buying clothes. They do make, which you might consider for your dog because I know it's got some problems with one of its legs, they make little shoes for dogs that have, like, extra cushioning in them. So maybe he'd be more comfortable putting some pressure on that foot if he had, like, a little bit of padding on it. I've checked that out. So, um, the you know, last thing I'm going to say before we kind of wrap this up, because we're getting to the end of our time here, but um, use, use Chewy.com. Uh, yeah, don't, it is the, nice. Don't get any sponsor for it or anything like that, but um, I've used them to buy, like, mm-hmm. two sets of things here, and that yeah. worked out really well. So I'm pretty impressed with them. Um, and uh, get going to the groomer I thought was going to be a, a more expensive and kind of like painful mm-hmm. thing. It wasn't. It was not super expensive. It was like yeah. less than fifty bucks, and yeah. it ended up working out really well. They're not super bad. We um we always get uh, our dog. We'll get them trimmed up and groomed whenever we take them into a vet because they just do such a good job with it. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, another piece of tech for you if you have to trim the nails. They make some really nice, like, dog nail trimmers now. Like, when I grew up, it was, like, because of scissors. Yeah. yeah. They make ones now that are almost, like, the things you get for small branches. They've got, like, the hinged entry to it to make it, like, you're not putting as much pressure, so you're less likely to slip and, like, mess up and stuff like that. Well, the groomer did that for us. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's true. You do it with the groomer. The groomer will do that thing. And they said all that we need to do is just take um, an electric toothbrush and put it on his paw so he gets used to it. And that'll that'll help them out. So that's probably what we're going to end up doing for okay. the most part. I mean, I, I I'm totally down with trimming the nails and everything mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to do as good of a you, job. As well, here's the thing: you also have a breed of dog that really benefits from a groomer. Right. You know, you get some of these smaller ones that they they naturally shed and they can't really get too shaggy. You can bathe them yourself and stuff like that. You get a shaggy dog, I would absolutely be taking them to a to a place every time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I think we're kind of at the, the end of today. So, you know, this has been the Season 2, Episode 13 of Beer and Broadband Podcast. And we're probably going to catch you guys next time, talk to you. We do have a Twitter, and we do have, like, email and, and stuff like that, contact information. So if you want to reach out to us or talk to us, we'll be happy to happy to have a conversation. Otherwise, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later.